Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, where we help women who have lost children to build a life of purpose and joy. I'm your host, Julie Clough. Hello, my friends. Thanks for joining me today. First, I want to say that creating a podcast is a fascinating, vulnerable, vulnerable, there's an example of it, vulnerable experience. It feels surreal and unusual to have such a platform, and I don't take it lightly. Although I do find that I can't take myself too seriously, even though this is my first episode in this series, it's not the first episode I recorded. And as I've listened back, I've found some funny instances, like saying, when you wake up in the mirror, what? Of course, I I meant to say when you wake up in the morning. So when you hear that one, I hope, and other funny, odd phrases, I hope that uh, you will laugh with me. I want to start also by saying we all have a story. We all have a story. Every single person has a remarkable, important story. It's what makes us who we are. When you think about it, the un- the uniqueness in each of our lives is astounding. Absolutely no two people on the planet share the same story, even within the same family, which I think is so remarkable. However, as we share our human experiences, we find that we are more alike than we realize and an understanding quickly develops. Usually you probably have found that the way you, that you interact with your story develops over time. Also consider if you tell your story as the victim or the hero of your story. Be the hero of your story. How can you rewrite your story as the hero? I ran across an interesting quote from an author. His name is Walter Anderson. And here's his quote. Bad things do happen. How I respond to them defines my character and the quality of my life. But I can choose to sit in perpetual sadness, immobilized by the gravity of my loss. Or I can choose to rise from the pain and treasure the most precious gift I have, life itself. Unquote. There is a time for sitting in sadness, for being immobilized by the gravity of our loss, but there also comes a time for rising from the pain and treasuring our life. I found in my own story that I sat in sadness and immobilized for about three years, and slowly then I was able to rebuild my life. On this first episode of the Build a Life After Loss podcast, I'll share my story, which you can also read briefly at buildalifeafterloss.com. My overarching desire is for you to feel and hear that there is always hope. A wonderful life awaits all of us. I want to hear your story too. Write a review with your story or send me a message at buildalifeafterloss.com. Here's my story. In 2007, my youngest children died. Carrie was 10 and David was 8. Just the day before they died, it was a Saturday. It was also my birthday and it was a busy, busy day. Just like every day with six kids tended to be, and we didn't even have time to celebrate my birthday. Our oldest daughter, Stephanie, was away at college, but everyone else was kept us hopping. Carrie, our 10-year-old, had spent the day performing in a homeschool Shakespeare play with her older brothers, and I attended a mandatory Cub Scout leaders meeting, which I was not happy about and resented that I had to miss the performance, but I had seen it earlier in the week, which was a good thing. 
That day also, our 18-year-old daughter, Kristen, prepared to go to her senior prom. She had made her own dress, but the fabric turned out to be faulty, so preparing for the prom became an unexpected, huge ordeal. We quickly made last-minute phone calls to friends in hopes of finding an alternative dress for her to wear. Just in time, she found something that would work, and she got dressed and ready before her boyfriend picked her up. I went to go take pictures before they left for the prom, and then they left on their date. That night... While Kristen was at the prom, my husband and I attended a parent appreciation dinner hosted by the teens of our homeschool group. Carrie, like I said, was only 10, and she wasn't really a teen, but she was invited to attend with her older brothers, James, who was 12, and Dallin, who was 15, and she was thrilled. She served us all night long. She constantly was asking if we needed something else. She would bring us water. She brought us rolls. She loved feeling so grown up and included, and it was her nature to be so service-minded and loving. She was in her element for sure. During all this activity, eight-year-old David had spent the day and evening with his friend. He was excited to ride his bike over to his friend's house. They lived just a couple of streets away, but it was the first time he'd been allowed to do to actually ride his bike over there on his own, and he was very adventurous. So it was all we could do to keep him contained and safe. So as you can imagine, he was excited to be able to go uh, over to his friend's house on his own. Later, after a long and very busy day, My husband, Ron, kept the kids up watching a movie while I packed and got myself in bed as early as possible because we were leaving early the next morning for a long road trip to visit family. It was just going to be me, James, like I said, who was 12, Carrie, who was 10, and David, 8. Frankly, I was pretty unhappy about Ron keeping them up. I wanted them to get in bed so I didn't have to deal with grumpy, tired kids the next day. Regardless, I went to bed and they stayed up. David snuggled on one side of his dad and Carrie on the other. Now I look back and I know that this was just how it was meant to be. They were meant to have that very special time with their dad before they were gone. The next day was Mother's Day and we were heading out on a trip from our home in Texas to visit family in North Carolina. My My husband helped us pack the car up. And he gave us all hugs and kisses, as usual, and reminded me to be safe with my precious cargo. And then, just a few hours later, everything changed. We were traveling through Mississippi when I fell asleep at the wheel, and we ended up off the road. I don't remember feeling even slightly sleepy. When I woke up, our SUV started rolling. Carrie and David were thrown from the car. They were in seat belts, but that was in the days before it was well known that car seats were safer beyond preschool. As soon as the car stopped rolling and I was conscious, I knew our family's life had changed forever. I was hurt in the accident. I had a broken wrist, sprained shoulders, a concussion, and a lot of bruising. My 12-year-old son, James, was also in the car. His leg went out the passenger window and he had a severely broken leg that required surgery. After a couple of months, we had both fully recovered physically. We were taken to different hospitals, James and I to one hospital and Carrie and David to another. I laid on a striker board at the hospital for hours. It was hard to determine which was worse, my physical pain or my emotional pain. At that point, I didn't know if Carrie and David were dead or alive. But I did know, and the emotional pain was definitely worse than the physical pain. A couple hours later, I was told Carrie and David were gone. They had died at the scene of the accident. 
The hospital and staff were amazing. They put James and I in the same large room. The room even had a large sitting area just outside for our family and friends to gather. I don't even remember how many drove or flew to help us, but there was a ton. My mom and my sister, my brother, my um, good friends, aunts, uncles. It was quite a gathering. It was two weeks after the accident before we had the funeral because my son James and me were still in the hospital out of state. Thank goodness for a wonderful doctor, which was, he was just an absolute miracle, who helped us get James home earlier than we expected. Family and friends came for the funeral. It was a beautiful memorial. They were two amazing kids who were super close to each other. In fact, practically every picture we had of them were of them hugging each other. It's no wonder to me that they went together. Even at the time of the accident, I knew they were either both gone or both there. Always the stories of Carrie were about how loving and kind she was. She befriended everyone. Her friends still keep up with me, and they still talk about how sweet they were to her. How many little girls would be so willing to include their younger brother so often? And she did. David was definitely the rambunctious type. We have so many stories of his crazy, crazy antics. He was always getting into things to epic proportion. I need a whole episode to tell you about all those stories, but he was so loved because of his ready smile and happy disposition. He lived free and easy. After the funeral, my sister stayed for six weeks to take care of us. My mother came to stay as well, and my husband, through a miracle, was able to take more than two months off from work. It was all an unbelievable blessing. Neighbors, church friends, homeschool friends fed us for months and served us in countless other ways. I'm sure everyone felt so helpless. There's no way to fix this. While the food kept coming, I forgot how to cook. I think it was a year before I even stepped foot into the grocery store again. The first few months were a nightmarish blur. Because I was injured, I had an additional reason to stay in bed. I stayed in bed a lot. I cried a lot. I couldn't function. My mind just could not handle the level of trauma I was experiencing. I blamed myself. It was hard to sleep and hard to wake up and hard to be awake even. I lived somewhere in between sleep and awake. I worked with a therapist to work through my post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, caused by driving the car that rolled over and changed our lives. I fought every day to get up in the morning and try to make sense of my new reality. The first three years were absolute hell. On the third anniversary, almost to the day, things changed. It is not too dramatic to say that through the power of God, I started to improve in significant ways. My therapist proclaimed me done. What? Where do I go from here? I'm not done. My life looks totally different, and I don't even know where to start or what to do next. Slowly, I learned to enjoy things again. I found things of interest I actually had to change my goals and my ideas of what I wanted to do going forward. Five years later, in 2012, I had a profound experience that sent me on a search for even more answers. I knew I was being directed to help others who had experienced a profound loss like I had, but how do I do that? I wasn't sure, but I was determined to find out, and that's what brought me to develop the Build a Life After Loss program. In many ways, I can consider myself very blessed This is going to sound strange, but because I had suffered so many losses before, a divorce, my brother's suicide, my parents' divorce, among other things, I felt more prepared to navigate the death of my precious children. 
It was not a pretty journey, but I made it through and I'm now enjoying my life more than I ever have. I guess that's why I felt compelled to start this podcast. I want to share all that I've learned. I hope you will come along for the messy journey of growth through loss. Thanks for joining me today. Please subscribe and join me as we explore building a life of purpose and joy.